Well, it is uh, great to have you uh, joining us uh, this morning. And uh, as we start this new series, uh, Tether, I want to just uh, relay a story to you that happened uh, with Angie and I here not too long ago. Uh, she started having a lot of uh, pain in her hip and part of her leg. And uh, one of her doctors suggested that it could be like this uh, little bitty uh, rare tear uh, in her hip. And so we ended up seeing the specialist and they ran a bunch of MRIs and x-rays and we met with the specialist. And he actually hadn't had an, the opportunity uh, to see all the MRIs until we got there uh, because we actually had to help uh, get them transferred to him. And it was really interesting watching him look through these. And as he started looking through them, you know, I'm looking at it and I can kind of tell that it's a hip and a hip socket and a leg and, and all of this stuff. Um, and then at one spot, he's like, oh, oh, right there, that's it. And there's like this little bitty white dot. Uh, and like, you know, I'm looking at, the computer screen and there's like lots of little white dots and lines and everything. But there was one in particular and he's like, that's it. You have that tear, you know, and it was this tiny little thing. And of course, you know, uh, being a husband, you know, the thing that went through my mind, but now I've been a husband long enough to know not to say out loud, you know, it's like, well, that's so small, you know, she could push right through that. Right. But of course I didn't say that. Right. Uh, but what was interesting as he saw it and analyzed it more, he then uh, kind of pulled us aside and started to explain it. And he had like a model of a, a hip and a hip socket and everything. And he, um, he started to explain what was going on there with this little bitty tear with this tendon and how it would affect uh, the muscles, that the muscles would actually have to start compensating. And as they would, they would begin spasming. And as they would begin spasming, it would uh, pull on things more and begin creating pain. Uh, and that the nerves, that there was nerve clusters around there and that the pain would begin radiating. And that uh, because of this, the hip wouldn't be able to uh, rotate uh, properly and it would actually create an impingement. And he went through a few more pictures and then showed us where that impingement was actually happening. And as he walked through all of these things, uh, the muscles and the bones and the nerves and like those were all fine. But this one little bitty tendon, this little white dot, because it wasn't joined together just right because of this little tear, was creating all of this pain. Just this like one little tear. And as I think about it, I, I want to pause for a second because in some ways it becomes kind of a metaphor for maybe what many of you are experiencing, what we're going through. That as we go through this kind of strange pandemic, um, you feel a little bit like that little dot. Like you've been disconnected from something. You've been torn for something. And even though it seems small, it's like as every day goes by, as each week goes by, there's a kind of loneliness that begins radiating more and more. Or there's a kind of anxiety that begins radiating more and more and more. And you just begin to feel this. What was remarkable to me was as the doctor really explain like through this model, everything that was happening. Um, he pulled out his pen and then he started to explain what he was gonna do. And he took his pen and he pointed right where he believed that tear was on the model. And then on a piece of paper, he started to sketch out what he was gonna do. And he said, I'm gonna put in these tiny little anchors just right here, here and here. 
And then he said, I'm going to begin tethering that little ligament back up to where it belongs, one little piece at a time. And he said, and when I do that, that little ligament's going to pull, you know, all of this here. And then suddenly this muscle's going to be able to relax and do what it needs to do. And the bone's going to be able to move like this. And all of a sudden he started describing how uh, the human hip with the bone and the nerves and the muscles and all of the ligaments can begin working in concert and how it becomes like this beautiful thing. And when all those pieces work in concert, it's this amazing thing. And I use this illustration because if you are feeling a little disconnected, but that little bit of disconnection just is radiating this kind of anxiety or pain or loneliness or worry. This is my hope for today. As you've connected in with us and are being a part of this this morning, is that I hope today that you will see how you are actually tethered to something much larger and how you can be joined together in this larger thing called the church, the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ is joined together and working in concert, it is this amazing thing. And it can do beautiful and amazing things. And, and again, my hope is that you would come away with this morning and understand how you have a part in this whole thing coming together and working together. You know, one of the New Testament authors, a guy by the name of Paul, he understood this. He understood how uh, those little tears could form and could be a part of any church uh, community. But he also understood, kind of like that surgeon, this bigger picture of how when that little tendon that might be torn can come together, how pulling it together in a beautiful way can have the church working in concert. And I wanna read to you just uh, a couple of things that he says. Uh, This is found in Ephesians chapter four, and I wanna read this to you. It's Ephesians chapter four, and he gets to the end of this section. This is in verse 16, and here's what he says. He says, "Um, from him, this is being from Christ, from him, The whole body, that is the church, that is all of us, the whole body, catch this, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I love how he speaks here of this idea of joined and held together. Like it just, it reminds me of everything that that doctor was explaining that day that when we're all joined and held together in just the right way, like there's this beautiful thing that happens. And I think about the situation that we all find ourselves in, right? If there's ever been a time when churches would feel those little tears where maybe, maybe you live alone and it's this thing where you're just like, like, In a time when I need connection more than ever before, it's a time of social distancing. And it's like, you feel like that little dot and the loneliness just begins to radiate. I know some of you have been furloughed and you're like, you know, that's just a big long word that means I don't have a job right now. And I don't know when I will get paid and I don't know what's gonna happen next. And if that's you, like... 
I can't imagine the anxiety that you've got to struggle with every day trying to map this out and figure out where you go next. Or maybe as a couple, you're trying to come together closer and closer, but like uh, social isolating actually has you like coming together too much all of the time in ways that like you're getting on each other's nerves and, and, and like you've got this opposite problem. And it becomes this kind of weird struggle. And so the question becomes, how do we do this thing that Paul talks about like in a practical way? What does it mean where we come together as the bones and muscles and ligaments, where, where we're joined, away, joined together in this beautiful way? And I think he says something that actually gets to this on a very practical side. Uh, in the verse right before this. And so if you're in your living rooms or wherever you are, I just, I would encourage you, if you want, uh, pull out your Bibles and look at this. And again, this is Ephesians chapter four. And I want to look at the verse right before this, verse uh, 15. <clears throat> Here's what he says. And, and this, kind of interesting, but I want to unpack it just a little bit. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ. And you know, um, this passage, and it seems a little strange coming here that like, okay, so that's the big things like speaking the truth in love, like that's the key to all of this. You know, in some ways, this is maybe one of the most misunderstood verses in all of the Bible. But maybe there's never been a time where it's more important to really understand what Paul is talking about here. And part of the struggle for why this is a misunderstood uh, verse is because it, it's extremely hard to translate directly into English. Um, there's not an equivalent in it. So just a, a quick Greek lesson here. So in the Greek, the word speaking is not there. In fact, the word speak or anything like it, just it doesn't exist in the sentence. And that's because there's really no true verb in this sentence. And Greek can do that. Uh, to where in English, uh, we, want a, we want a verb and we want a noun to kind of anchor the sentence. And so in order to put it in uh, proper English, it's like we've got to have a verb there. And so sometimes when this happens in Greek, you put in an assumed verb. And that's all the translators did here. And, and it's not like it's a wrong thing to do, but it's important to understand um, that that's not what Paul actually writes here. And while uh, speaking truth uh, uh, is a good thing uh, and could be assumed in some way here, there's something far deeper that Paul does here. He actually takes the word truth uh, as a noun and actually um, reforms it and puts like a verbal ending. He puts it in a verbal form. He takes the word truth and like turns it into this weird kind of verb. And we don't have any true way to do that in English. And so if you wanted a more accurate translation, you could literally say, um, Paul's saying truthing, like truthing in love. That's the key. But it's a really profound thing that he's doing here. Because what he does by saying this is he is, it's like he's elevating the supremacy of love as the greatest truth. Um, and, and that you can't understand this great truth of love just as an intellectual thing. The supremacy of love is only fully understood when it is experienced. 
the truth of it, it has to be a verb. It's truthing it. Does that make sense? And so there's this beautiful thing about this that I do not want you to miss. If we're to understand the truth of Christ, it will be because we experience the love of Christ as we are tethered together. Let me say that one more time because I, I don't want you to miss this. This is at the heart of what Paul is saying about how we come together. If we're to understand the truth of Christ it will be because we experience the love of Christ as we are tethered together. And so what he's getting at is the way we tether ourselves together is through truthing in love. It is through loving one another in a way in which it is actually experienced, not just an intellectual idea about it, but we are treating one another. We are relating when, with one another. It's, and when we do that, it's like there's this anchor point and we get tethered together in truthing in love. It's like it pulls those ligaments together in all the right ways, in all the places that they need to be. And there's probably not been a time, friends, that I can remember in ministry where truthing in love in the most practical of ways has been more important. And so I want to do something a little bit different here. You know, normally I'd get to this part of my message and I would get to the application and that's where I want to get right now. <clears throat> and I would start that application with a challenge to you. Like, here's how to go and live this out and apply this. But before I get into that, I want to roll into that and I want you to understand how your staff has been uh, living and truthing in love for the last four or five weeks and how they have seen this issue and have been looking and praying and understanding and understanding us as a church like this magnificent body, this joint that must be tethered in truth together in love so that we can operate, so that you, even if you feel like that little dot can be sewn and tethered and joined back into the church as a whole in the most beautiful of ways that you can have hope. And so I want to start there because that maybe is the thing that I want you to walk away with more than anything else here this morning. You know, I remember um, it was maybe four and a half, five weeks ago. It was March 16th. And March 16th was the last time we had an all staff meeting in person. Uh, it was the Monday right after that, that Sunday in which we did our very first uh, completely online services. Um, it occurred right over in the coffee spot. In fact, that's where Ryan was just uh, a minute or two ago when he was doing the pastor spot. And I remember being with the entire staff and realizing we are now navigating new waters like we've never navigated before. And there were several things uh, that we talked about as a staff that I shared with them. And we said that there are a set of priorities that we're going to use. And, these, uh, and there's uh, five of these priorities. And I'm going to talk about three of them here this morning. But it would be these five priorities that we would use to navigate forward. A little bit like um, a surgeon who sees a little tear and how this little tear could become a larger tear and how it could keep, even in small ways, uh, 
the body of Christ from being joined together in just the right way. And that if it's not joined together in just the right way, like there could be like this radiating anxiety or pain or hopelessness or disconnection. And that it was the passion of our staff that looking at these priorities said, like, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to walk forward. And the clear target that we're going to have, the thing that we're going to seek to do moving forward in unprecedented waters is how do we help bring this church together in a way where it functions and moves with strength and in concert in the most beautiful of ways. And if there is anything we would want for each and every one of you, it would be to see and understand how you can be tethered to this beautiful thing that is the body of Christ. And so I wanna talk to you about just three things that I shared with the staff um, and it actually started with this. Before I even got to the priorities, uh, we knew one of the ways we'd have to operate was this. We would have to adapt, we would have to innovate, and we would have to do it with speed. That, that in this new world, there was no like, well, let's, uh, let's sit back and, and, you know, and uh, just benchmark what other churches and ministries are doing. And maybe we'll take a few weeks and collect a lot of data and we'll figure out, you know, uh, what we might do next. And as we figure it out, we'll beta test it and run it through all of these things. And then, you know, in the fall, we'll have this magnificent launch for a church uh, living through a pandemic. It was like, no. Tomorrow morning, there are going to be people who are going to wake up and they're going to need their church in a world where maybe things feel like they've gone dark. And so as a staff, we said, we are going, we are going to adapt and we're going to innovate and we're going to do it on the move. And, and like uh, um, last Sunday was a perfect example of that where uh, just in a moment's notice, uh, everyone here said, uh, the thing that's not going to happen is that we're not going to not have a service in there. So here was the first, let me go through three of these priorities. The first one was this. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna phrase these in a little bit different way than we first talked about with the staff, but just to capture the idea. The first one was this, establish a spiritual anchor point every single Sunday. And that's what you're experiencing right now. We said, we're going to establish a spiritual anchor point. We're gonna have online services so that no matter what is going on in your life, in the life of someone that was connected or a part of this church, that they will know that every single Sunday, there is a way, there is a way that you can come and connect back to your church, that we will have worship, that we'll have a message, that we will be communicating. And that became so very important um, where we said we're going to create this anchor point that all of these other things can be tethered to and tied to. And um, I want you to know that every single Sunday we're going to be online doing something that pulls us all together as a church where we can be recentered in Christ, where we can be recentered in who we are as followers of Christ. The second, uh, the second priority that we said we were gonna live by, and I'm gonna phrase it in this way, was to reinvent genuine closeness in a time of social distancing. Let me say that again. We understood we had to reinvent 
genuine relational closeness in a time of social distancing, right? And in a time where all of a sudden uh, people that maybe belong to an ABF or they were in a small group or a connect group and there was this thing that pulled them together uh, with this kind of closeness that is so important in a spiritual journey to come together, to pray together, to uh, share one another's burdens together, to be able to walk together and all of this stuff that like overnight, it's like that disappeared, And so there's been this commitment on our part. How do we begin doing this? And I want you to know, like the staff, like they have been scrambling behind the scenes. How do we help uh, adult Bible fellowships find ways to meet in uh, Zoom meetings? And how do we pull small groups together uh, online and over the internet? Uh, We have literally had every single one of our ministries that normally would be running uh, ministries here and there where people would come together. Um, They have been finding ways to connect, whether it's with children's ministries. Like um, that very first Sunday, our children's ministry said, you know, there are all these kids and they would be used to going to their classrooms and connecting with their teachers. And if we're going to do this service online, like we don't want our kids just sitting there watching something for adults and that they would sit back and miss something. And what I love about your staff is they looked at that and they said, from the very first Sunday, We're going to make sure we say something to our kids that this is still a church for them. And our staff has been doing that for our youth, for our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, uh, doing it for all of our adults, finding ways to have a presence online. Um, I think about some of you uh, who maybe your connection wasn't through a connect group or an ABF, but maybe your connection was it was literally coming and being here on a Sunday morning and it was the people that you would meet. Maybe it was an area that you volunteered your time. You served in the tech area or in guest services or you served in our children's area or someplace. And it wasn't just an area that you served in. It was a place that it's like every Sunday, every Wednesday, you found this like beautiful connection. And so what our staff has been doing is seeking to find those ways where we can create that kind of closeness and community, even in this kind of like online world. And I want to invite you to take advantage of some of these things. Um, One of those things uh, with online connection has been this idea of understanding uh, that as we go through cares and concerns in all of this, um, one of those has been this conversation. We started last week and I just had this conversation with Annette Ladd, someone that I know and trust uh, deeply and just had a conversation about uh, loneliness and depression and finding hope again. And I wanna invite you to take part in that. We're going to do that again this week and I want you to look at our website for when that will be. Um, We will probably do that again this coming uh, Thursday. But the whole idea behind this is just finding this space where there can be a conversation and it's just finding a way to care for you if maybe you're in that place hurting and you're searching for answers in all of this. One of the other things uh, that we're seeking to do out of all of this, and we're just calling them uh, Zoom conversations. Just, it's like a one-time conversation and you could do uh, more than one of these. But part of it came out of these conversations that we had with Annette in which um, she talked about, uh, and this was so wise on her part, where just taking one simple step to reach out can actually make a huge difference if you're seeking um, to just find a way to join or be connected again. 
And I would invite you to be a part of some of these. Um, you know, the staff has been working really hard to pull these together because to really make them meaningful, they need to be smaller, like groups of just anywhere from four to 10, and they need to have a host that can be a part of them. Uh, you know, one of our new staff members, Miles Bingham, has been working on this. And I have uh, watched Miles for a number of years around here. And Miles is one of these guys that understands uh, just the value of human connection and what it means. And so he has been working to find people that can host this, that have a heart for this, that want to help people in these different uh, conversations. And I want to give you just a little taste of what some of those conversations uh, can be. Some of the ones uh, that we're working on right now um, are these. Let me give you the first five that we're working on. The first one is uh, single living while social distancing. And that is because we've gotten feedback and we know that there are a number of you that just, um, you live by yourself. And in a world of social distancing, when the messaging out there is about the need to connect and you're feeling it, and yet the physicality of everything we're going is just pulling you apart, I would love to have you be able to just um, sit in a Zoom conversation, maybe with some other people that are in the same spot, and maybe hearing them talk about just what they're going through, you may find that it's like, it's like what that, that surgeon described about Angie's hip. And it's like, it's like just tethering that tendon just a little bit up to this other thing. And you might find that just hearing someone else talk about something you've experienced and then have a moment to laugh with them about what you're both going through, just it like nurtures your soul in the most beautiful of ways. And I, can I say this too? that in you doing that and finding some healing in that, you might actually provide some healing for some other people in that. And Miles is seeking to find the right people to host some of these groups that can actually understand this. And they're not stepping into these groups to be experts in this. Um, they're just people that want to come and join that are maybe in the same spot and understand it and can just help facilitate a kind of beautiful discussion where a few people from our church can just find this kind of beautiful connection. Some of the other groups will be this, um, looking after uh, long distance family members during COVID-19, that maybe you've been someone that has been caring for someone uh, maybe in a nursing home or maybe someone who lives alone and they're far apart and you were someone that went and visited them on a regular basis and now you can't. How do you minister to that person in your life? Or maybe it's navigating the financial uh, uh, challenges that are occurring in a time like this. And I know that there are so many of you that are facing this and, in, and the impact of this is continuing uh, to move forward. Or maybe it means staying close um, uh, when being so close has become a challenge in your marriage or in your family, or maybe it's dealing with the fear and, and anxiety that is just beginning to radiate in this. I want to invite you to be a part of one of those Zoom groups, uh, discussions, if you'd like. Um, and if you want to know more about how to get connected one of those, it's really simple. Uh, you can go to mycasas.life. Um, and if you go there, you'll find information on how you can uh, just easily and quickly get all the information you need on how to just join one of those discussions, uh, even this coming week. Um, the other thing that I want to share with you as well, 
Um, and this gets back uh, to this idea of not just how do we come together, because there's this way that, that we need to find ways to care for one another. But there's also this thing going on where we as a church are sitting, uh, not just as a community ourselves going through this, we sit in this larger community going through this right now, that the city of Tucson and Oro Valley and Marana and beyond, they're grappling with all of these same things. And I believe that one of the most beautiful things that the church gets to do is that when it comes together in this beautiful way, we get to function with this kind of love, truthing and love, that actually lifts up Christ in one of the most relevant, most powerful ways of all. There is an opportunity for us to be ministering to the community around us in significant ways. And what I'd love for you to uh, get even right now is that um, uh, that has been happening. That has been happening since uh, day one. In fact, sitting over in the coffee spot over there that day and talking about these uh, priorities, um, the other priority that we laid out was simply this. It was to love our neighbors in a timely and meaningful way. How do we love our neighbors uh, during COVID-19 in a way that makes a difference? Not just words that say we care, but cares in a way that really matters. And one of the things we started off with was this challenge for all of us um, to uh, love them and to make a difference and sustain our community wherever we were. And there are so many beautiful stories coming out of this of all the different things that you have done. Um, but right now, I want to take just a few moments and talk about some of the things that maybe uh, you don't know about that have been going on. Of course, uh, you've heard about our drive-through uh, drive-ups uh, where we've done a, a, a food drive. Uh, we've done that now uh, twice. I believe we have actually... Um raised more than two tons of food. And maybe you have seen the food lines uh, on the news and what's happening. And, you know, one of the things as a church that is difficult for us to do at times, like there are people in our community and we're not always the best at being able to get food to any one particular family or distribute that in all these different ways. But, you know, we have this beautiful connection where we are tethered with a ministry like ICS. And ICS has ways of getting food to the people who need it most in our communities. But you know one of the beautiful things that we can do that we are so good at? We can make sure that ICS doesn't run out of food to get it to the people that need it the most. That is one of the beautiful things that we can do and that we will continue to do. If it takes another two tons of food to make it through all of this, we as a church will be able to raise two more or three more or five more tons of food, whatever it takes uh, to get uh, to that point um, in all of this. Um, one of the other things that I wanna share with you before I go here is uh, this last week, uh, we have been in conversations uh, with Oral Valley Hospital. As you can imagine, um, going through this time with COVID-19, one of the places that gets hit the hardest are hospitals and healthcare workers. And that's gonna be no different for Tucson. Um, and uh, this past week, I got to talk uh, with the CEO of Oral Valley Hospital and just understanding some of the needs that were gonna be uh, coming their way. And uh, they're very unique needs. You know, um, it's uh, things uh, like there's this kind of stress that they feel that is looming and just kind of an encouragement they need. But but also as they're trying to uh, ramp up for some of this, they've actually had to furlough uh, some of their workers getting ready for the surge that might come. And so there's this thing where they have uh, the discouragement
encouragement that so many of our healthcare workers are going through, uh, where some of them are struggling because there's not as much work right now, and yet others are overworking uh, right now. And one of the things that we can begin doing is just to adopt Oral Valley Hospital. And I want us as a church to kind of take on this challenge to help them as a hospital through this time, that there's a way that we can help nurture and care for them that will make a difference. And here are some of the things that we're looking at as we've talked with them. Uh, Childcare. There's a lot of uh, these uh, healthcare workers that because of the long shifts, sometimes 12 hour shifts, uh, are struggling to have uh, childcare. That is something that we can actually provide. Uh, we're actually revamping and have been working on this, some things that we can do through our uh, preschool ministry to actually provide childcare. But I wanna extend that in this moment because it's not just healthcare workers at Oral Valley Hospital. It might be a, a, a healthcare worker at another hospital or at a, off, a doctor's office or a clinic. It might be a first responder. And so here's what we're gonna do, is that as we navigate through this, if there is any first responder or healthcare worker that needs childcare, we will find a way to provide free childcare through, our, through what we're doing as best we can to any of those uh, workers. And this is something that I don't want us to just do uh, in a centralized way. If you have a neighbor, if there's someone in your family, if there's someone that you're ministry to and they're a first responder or they're a healthcare worker and you know that they need this, I want you to feel the freedom to invite them yourself and say, my church, the community that I'm a part of would love to help and minister to you at this time. And you, as a part of CASAS, can simply go to mycasas.life, click on, uh, there's a section there that is COVID-19, click on that right there. You can send them that um, yourself. And we'll, we will try our best to find a way to meet that need uh, in their life. Uh, one of the other things that we know uh, that they're struggling with in these, some of these long shifts and there's uh, lines at grocery stores, some of the grocery stores have had to cut their hours. Many of them are struggling because in the times that they would go to the grocery store to try and get groceries, it's not available or they can't wait in line. And so as a church, what we've been organizing now are people that will actually go and pick up and deliver groceries for healthcare workers. And so if you know someone who's a healthcare worker, like invite them, invite them. Go to uh, mycasas.life and invite them uh, to actually take advantage of that. And there'll be someone from our church that will coordinate with them and will go pick up the groceries for them and drop them off at their house is a way to just say we care and we want to help uh, them in all of this. And again, I want you to know that as a, being someone that is a part of CASAS, you can invite them directly to this. Uh, one of the other things that they need are more masks. And we even talked to them and said, you know, um, we may not be able to provide uh, the surgical uh, masks, but we can make like the cloth, uh, the cloth mask. And here's what they said. We need them and we need them now. They're, and they've got multiple ways that they're able to use those cloth masks. Um, several weeks ago when this first started, I talked uh, with one of our uh, wonderful volunteers here uh, Terry Boyle, who uh, helps lead a ministry called Holy Needles. And I just asked her, I said, I know you all make uh, blankets and hats and all of these beautiful things that we give uh, to infants with their born and stuff through Holy Needles. Do you have some people that are a part of your ministry that could start making masks? And she was like, absolutely. And we have been cranking out hundreds of masks. 
when I talked to Oral Valley Hospital just this past week, what they said was, we could use hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of masks more. And so we're going to be cranking out more masks. If that is something you can do, I invite you to do that. Go to mycasas.life, click on the uh, COVID-19 link and go and find out how you can be a part of that. One of the other things uh, that we're doing um, that actually uh, just lit them up, you know, they explained that they're in this new world at the hospital where they're wearing the, the protective gear like 24-7, through a 12-hour shift, they're wearing this constantly, something they don't normally have to do. But because of that, um, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the N95 uh, masks, but they've got like a a rubber lining on them that begins chapping the face uh, if you have to wear these hour after hour after hour. The straps that go along the back begin chapping uh, them along the sides of their face and behind their ears, and it becomes more and more painful day after day after day that they do this. And there is this simple little device uh, that a Boy Scout in Canada designed on a 3D printer. And we have some people at Casas that actually uh, have access to 3D printers and started printing these up as fast as they can. And we asked them, would it be helpful if like we made a bunch of these and gave them to you? Like her voice raised and she's like, oh my gosh, yes. Like it just like, and it was like this little thing. And she just explained how they're just, as they're going through the normal pressure, what it means to know that like there is a group of people in their city that are thinking about them even in the smallest of ways and said, what can we do to help you through a long day? She said that would mean the world to them. So if you have access to a 3D printer, we need more of these. Go to mycasas.life uh, and we'll have the plans for uh, how the, the, whatever you need to get a 3D printer to make these. I want to invite you to do this. If you know healthcare workers that need these, I want to invite you um, uh, to help make these so that we can get them to those that need these. One of the other things that... Uh, that the CEO talked about is just encouragement. They have patients there that because of of all that's happening, they're not able uh, to have their own family in there. There are patients that are discouraged. There are healthcare workers that are discouraged. She said cards or letters or notes of any kind. So this week on Tuesday, when we do our drive-through in our parking lot, we want to just bring encouraging cards to healthcare workers and first responders all over. And I want to encourage you, have your kids make cards. You make a card. Do something. Uh, go to mycasas.life where you, and you can see all the things that we need. Bring them and we will get them to those healthcare workers. And here's why all of this becomes so important. I want to just close with this thought. We will get to the other side of this. But the last thing in the world that I would want is for us as a church to just think about how we knuckle down and how we would survive this. And then when we'll get on the other side, then there'll be all this wonderful ministry that we can do. And to me, this becomes a credibility issue. If Christ is real, if truthing in Christ is something that is genuine and real, and if the truth of, the, of Christ is a difference maker in our souls and in our lives, then the place that it must have credibility, the place that we must make a difference is now. Because if, if we're not, 
if we're not a light shining with care and care that makes a difference now, then what credibility do we have on the other side of this? I think the way we love and care for one another as a community, what you belong to, what is already happening is amazing. Tether yourself to it. But as you do, find a way to function in this beautiful kind of concert where we begin functioning in a way that is loving the community beyond us. Because if we love the, the city and the people around us now, someday on the other side of this, whether it is this summer or later this fall, we as a church will have shown the tangible love of Christ in the most beautiful of ways. And we will have voice and credibility to speak to a world that so needs Christ. So now before I go, I just want to say this. Maybe you're new and you've just connected into all of this. Um, I want to encourage you uh, to connect in with one of our online uh, hosts in all of this. We would love to meet you and just connect more to you. If you want to know more about what we're doing as a church through this time, I want to invite you to go to mycasas.life and learn how maybe you can connect to this. And here's the beauty of it. You don't have to be able to do all of these different things, right? The beauty is there's one thing. You're like that one tendon. And if you're joined in that beautiful, harmonious way, like you get to help make all of this function in the most magnificent way. And we will make a difference because you are a part of something that is beautiful and gorgeous. And it is making a difference in a time when people need a difference to be made. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing through this church. And Father, we pray that you would work in us and joining us together in you that we might grow and mature in making the most beautiful difference of all. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.